0: Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussion of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. This is a prepaid collect call from an incarcerated individual at County Detention Center. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. Guess what time it
1: is. It's time for crime.
2: In this episode, we'll be discussing Marjorie Orban's case. We hope to answer the following questions. How many times were you married? What do you keep in your Rubbermaid containers? And what's the first purchase you would make with your husband's money? So listen
1: in and find out more. But for now, try not to end up on an episode unless you're a guest. Hey guys, this is your host, Vanny.
2: And this is Kat.
1: Welcome, new friends, and welcome back, our little stalkers. I hope that we could capture more of you today with this new episode. I know Kat and I are really excited about talking about this case. How was your week, Kat?
2: Oh, it was good. It was good. Been exciting? enjoying, been enjoying this rain. Oh yes. Because you know we don't get much around here, so when it rains everything stops. We're like, oh rain.
1: <laughs> yes, it is nice. It is nice to get some rain around here.
2: Very excited. I didn't very excited. I didn't have to drive in it to go to work today, so that was good. Oh yeah, you still working from home now? You getting more days 3 days. Off. 3, three days. days. Good. Yeah.
1: So it's like yay. Awesome. That's good to know. You get to be from home. That's kind of nice. Yes. I'm always home. Sometimes it's kind of a boring life to be at home all the time, but sometimes it's I look at the traffic in the morning and stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, thank God, I'm not in that." <laughs> just go. All the crazy people are out there. Like, yes. Oh, I'm I'm fine at home. Um. Yeah, I could have my second cup of coffee and just laugh at traffic. So. Yeah. Good. Exactly. Well, let's get going with our case for the week. But before we get going, let me remind everybody of our question of last week. It was, "What in criminal world slang is Mr. Cash?"
2: Ooh, this one was, This was a good one. So, Mr. Cash refers to a loan shark or a money lender who charges extremely high rates of interest, typically under illegal conditions, and often uses threats of violence to collect debts. Ooh. These are like the kneecap breakers and the finger crunchers. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what I'm thinking of somebody with the back, like, to your knee, because you didn't pay them that $5 extra. Yeah, so, yeah, so
2: now they've <laughs> taken out the kneecap and now you can't work. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so how to are you to get the pay money? Him? Exactly. That's intense. It reminds me of uh, gangs of New York. They do some stuff like that. I mean, I don't know if it was loan shark stuff, but definitely breaking the knees and yeah, hips. Well, and
2: in the movie Rocky, that's what Rocky Balboa did. In between oh, yeah. boxing, he worked for that guy and he collected he collected debts.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's a good catch. Good catch. <laughs> well, let's uh, remind everybody a little synopsis of the case that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, Kat, would you
2: like to read? Sure. Uh, in 2004, a Phoenix housewife was arrested and charged with the murder of her husband. A tale of a former Las Vegas showgirl gone bad or a love triangle and got caught. Ooh.
1: This is a great case. This is a case of uh, Miss Marjorie Orban. And just like it says, she was the former Las Vegas showgirl. That was the most interesting part of this case.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess she started out as a stripper and then worked up to showgirl.
1: Yeah. So let's jump in and say a little bit about her. So her full name was Marjorie Ann Orban. She was born October 29th, 1961. And she, like Kat says, she started out as a stripper. Yeah. And she was a former Las Vegas showgirl as well. But... You know, I thought one of the interesting things about her past life was that she was married seven times.
2: By like age 35, it was crazy.
1: That's a lot of times to be married.
2: And there was kind of one more little crazy thing too. So when she was early on in her stripper days Mm -hmm. and Jay was just getting started, who wound up to ultimately be her husband, they bumped into each other, so to speak, at one of the Las Vegas strip clubs. Oh yes. And so he traveled a lot for work and he was starting, uh, he was selling Native American jewelry and artwork. And so he was up and coming. And so he was on the road a lot. And so anytime he was breezing through Vegas, you know, one in Vegas, so he would hit the strip clubs. And so he started frequenting the strip club so that he could see her. Mm-hmm. And he kind of fell for her and was very interested. And she was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. You don't really have what it takes. <laughs> so, yeah, she really just sort of shoved him off. And then she returned to Florida and returned to somebody that she had dated in the past. And he was putting together shows, with, you know, with the showgirls. Mm-hmm. Those, those, you know, the dancer showgirl vegas Vegasy things. And he was in Florida and he was choreographing and putting them together, and he started adding her into the shows, and then she started choreographing and becoming more involved in the show.
1: It's interesting that she knew this guy. His name was uh, Michael J. Peter. He was he became a multimillionaire. Um, he created the, like Kat said, upscale strip clubs around the world. But she knew him since he was seventeen. So I'm like, when did she start becoming a stripper? Because Usually you can be a stripper until you're age 18. So it's a little like, okay, she started knowing this guy at 17, but I didn't get any idea of like how old this guy actually was.
2: Yeah, I could not find anything out about Mr. Peters as far as how old he was. Now, she could have lied about the strip thing. True. You know, it wouldn't be the first time that somebody did. Or, because I know they were like from the same... The same area? town, the same area. So I think she just knew him. Mm-hmm. And she said that she got to travel the world with
1: him. She did all kinds of different stuff. But one of the interesting things is that she was in a featured role in a movie called No More Dirty Deals. And that was uh, released out in 1993. So that to me was interesting. I was like, okay, I got to see this movie now because I'm curious to find out what is this No More Dirty Deals about. <laughs>
2: And I was sitting here going, wow, how did I miss that blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was just not on my radar. And I love Bad b movies, so I'd, I really am not sure how I missed this one, but I did. But, you know, I don't think she ever married him because uh, she stated
1: in an interview that she just lived with him for several years and were engaged, but she never actually married him. So I just find it interesting because she was married seven times that she didn't marry this guy. And maybe he didn't want to marry her if he was a multimillionaire guy. He she was like, uh uh-uh, uh, she's after the money.
2: Yeah, it could have been he saw right through her and mm-hmm. never did. But yeah, so at some point these two broke up or went separate ways, but she now had enough experience, so she went back to to Vegas to what she knew and she was in some shows. In the meantime, it's been ten years since she has last seen Jay. His business has grown. Mm-hmm. he's an entrepreneur things are are he's in a much better place uh in fact he um goes to vegas and sees a billboard with her picture on it yeah and he's like oh my and so he figures out how to get a hold of her mm-hmm. and so he calls He's like "Well, hey you know it's jane she's like oh hey it's like been 10 years you know what have you been doing with yourself he's like well you want to meet for a drink she's like okay And the rest, they say, is history. I like how you say, okay, Okay. like your voice changes. (laughs) So not only do they meet and start to rekindle and hit it off and he's stopping by to see her in between road trips going back and forth across the country, but they finally decide to, they finally decide to do it. So he comes through, through Vegas and this just cracked me up because this is probably why I would. Never go and do this because it's just so tacky and cheesy. But they got married in Vegas at the Little White Wedding Chapel. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, did, I I saw that and I was like, wow, of all places to get married, that's where she chose to. And she was pretty proud of it that they got married there.
2: She oh, was I know. very happy I, about it. Want to know if Elvis impersonator caught the bouquet? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I got married at the Little... The little white wedding chapel. Everybody thought, else with their decision of regret. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say
1: mostly for like they get married different places, but she chose the little white chapel, which I've been several times to just take pictures there, not to get married, guys. Okay, <laughs> just, just to take.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to hear pictures. this confession. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although I will confess, Peter and I thought about it one time. <laughs> we did not do it, guys. But what I liked about. The focus of what she stated in their marriage was that, that, you know, she really wanted to have children. And I guess she had some kind of uh, past in her medical history that stated that she couldn't have kids. So, you know, he's like, if you can come to Phoenix, be my baby mama, I'll pay for all the fertility treatments and uh, move out to Phoenix. And she just said, sure. I was like, yeah. <laughs>
2: Who just says, yeah, okay, I'm there. It was like she wanted to have kids, and mm-hmm. Jay, Jay Orban really wanted to have kids, and so he was willing to pay for a couple years of fertility treatments. Which
1: is very expensive. Like. It
2: is, and then the weird part is she got pregnant. Yes. So she had a little boy named Noah. Noah. So I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought that was great, though. They, I mean, she at least got to have her... I guess in a way, happy ending because, you know, that was something that she really had thought she was never going to have. And coming from somebody like myself that, you know, became just recently a mom, like I didn't want to have kids and to have a child. It's definitely a game changer.
2: Yeah, but she really wanted it and she Mm -hmm. seemed to settle down to it. And Matt, for seven years, life was good. Yeah, she was doing really good. In the meantime, Jay's business grew. So he's now a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Traveling a lot. With his artwork. Yeah, and traveling a lot.
1: Yeah, so one day he ends up having um, their son's birthday, and that day was kind of pretty much the day he had to go out to Florida, actually, for a business trip. And who knew that that was going to be the last time that he would actually be seeing his son?
2: Yeah, so it's weird past the fact it's the last time he sees his son. But he's heading to Florida like he's done a 100 times. As he's driving to Florida, there's Hurricane Francis, and mm-hmm. so he winds up stopping and turning around and returning to home. Right. So I wonder if his unexpected return. Plays a big part. Caused a rift, caused a rift somewhere.
1: Absolutely. I, I do believe that that's a big playing factor into what happens next.
2: You know, he, he turns around and fortunately, I guess, he's, he calls his mom Joanne on the way. Or actually, yeah, his mom called him because it was I his take birthday. That back. Yeah, she called him and said, "You know, wished him happy birthday." And he was like, "Mom, he goes, I'm driving. He goes, I'll be home in a little while. I'll call you. La- I'll call you back later." Mm-hmm. And he never and that, calls. That was the last time that she heard from him. And so she's calling. He's not answering the phone. She's calling Marjorie in a panic, and Marjorie's acting like nothing. Oh, he's on a business trip. Relax. It's no big deal. Yeah, he came home and he went off on another one as soon as he got home. And Mar- and uh, Joanne never really thought that, you know, Marjorie was the one. Yeah, there was there was no love between the two of them. But she was like, you know, Jay never said anything about he was coming home and going right back out again. Yeah, it was definitely suspicious. So it's like TikTok two weeks go by. Mm-hmm. And it's friends, family, Joanne going, are you going to report him missing? We have no idea where Jay is. Nobody knows anything about anything. So she finally, under family and friend pressure, files a missing person report. Mm-hmm. How big of her? <laughs> so she finally files the police report. So Meanwhile,
1: she's like spending money left and right.
2: So meanwhile, in this two weeks, so she finally, you know, while she's working up the, um, courage to uh report this who moves in but our friend larry who she's having an affair with not only does he move in in. yeah he's he's putting his clothes in the closet like don't you think that maybe the guy is going to return home exactly you know he's not throwing his stuff over the back of the chair he is you know throwing his stuff in the closet
1: yeah that's a little another red flag for sure
2: Yeah, so it's a good old Larry, Larry Weisberg. And yeah, so he's moving in. So then not only is he moving in, putting his clothes in the closet, Marjorie's dragging her heels about doing a police report. She starts spending money. Mm -hmm. And so what's the first thing when your husband is missing and the boyfriends moved in? What's what's your first purchase? (laughs) What's the first thing you can't live without?
1: People normally say car or maybe like furniture Something you right?
2: think, but I guess she saw it in the window and had to have it. She bought a baby grand piano <laughs> that was worth twelve thousand dollars at the time. Do you even play the piano? <laughs> I don't know.
1: That's a lot of money for not just a piano. the first thing
2: on my list.
1: No, that's a really weird purchase, by the way.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I was, I was blown away. And not only did she buy the baby grand piano. But she took forty five thousand dollars out of the business account. That's a lot of money. Oh Larry told me if anything or Jay, sorry, Jay told me if anything happened, I should have some cash. Huh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's a lot Girl, of money. A girl's gotta be ready. Forty five thousand dollars, gee. And
1: baby grand piano. Come on now. The baby grand piano I'm still shooketh with. Like who buys exactly who goes crazy and buys piano? Like I would like that, but not, not to I don't go play be, the, the piano. Purchase.
2: Yeah. I would buy a player piano, not a baby grand.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of money.
2: <laughs> I would like to hear the piano. I, it would do me no good. I can't even play chopsticks, so, yeah. There was there was definitely a lot of number of things that she did
1: that just didn't quite make sense and definitely made her a suspect immediately.
2: Yeah, because baby grand, that'll draw attention. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she uh, definitely was having an affair with this guy and he moved in and he was like we said, he was a production manager that it, coincidentally she met at the gym. So, I mean, she definitely <laughs> was a person that still kept up to the gym.
2: She keeps in shape. She's still in shape. Yeah. So she finally makes the missing person report. And so it goes to a detective Jam Butcher and she was not at all cooperative at all in the investigation. So now just stop a second and think, okay, you're finally going to call a missing person's report. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you not think there's going to be certain questions that they're going to ask? Like, what type of vehicle? License plate number? What were they last seen wearing? You know, Mm -hmm. do you have a picture? (laughs) Just basic (laughs) stuff. Basic stuff. And she was not cooperating. They, They started asking her these questions like, oh, I'll have to get back to you. And she didn't call. She wouldn't call back. They left three messages. She would not return calls. That was the most bizarre. Now I'm thinking if this was my person of significant thing, I'd be all over it. I'd be at the freaking police station going, where is he? You need to find him. Mm -hmm. I'd be blowing up people's phones. Here's hair out of his hairbrush. Here's his toothbrush. Let's go. (laughs) You know, know, let's find him. But yeah, she's just like, whatever. Just doesn't care. And so at one point, Detective Butcher, when finally had her on the phone, says, well, you know, would you wanted to just come down and just you know do a quick polygraph or whatever and this male voice in the background tells her to tell her to f off <laughs> so our good friend larry is just like yeah tell her to f off because that's what you want to tell the police that's crazy in an open investigation because i'm guessing larry is overly smart yeah
1: well after the detective heard that you know phone call and heard that background voice he's like you know what i'm gonna have to get a search warrant and guess who ends up knocking at the door and, s- and delivering that search warrant? <laughs> this is the best part. I just thought this is crazy. It was, like definitely from a movie. Like the SWAT team shows up and like knocks down the door and like goes in and does their raid. It's crazy.
2: Oh, but kind of before that, so they the, she has she has the SWAT team serve it because she was a little put off by his comment. <laughs> So she's like, oh, okay, you wanna play? I'm gonna get a search warrant and now we're gonna send the SWAT team. So the SWAT team comes and they're knocking, SWAT team, whatever. Well, Larry, because you know, he works out at Gold Gym or wherever he does and you know, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a little on the buff side and thinks he's all that and a bag of chips. He's standing in the front door trying to tell the SWAT team with a warrant that they can't come in. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to prevent the SWAT team. So the SWAT team's like, you know, we've got a warrant. We need to do this, blah, 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 a few times. SWAT team is like, you know what? We have things to do and you are irritating us. They tased him. Oh, yes. They tased him down. He fell to the ground like a girl. Boom. They stepped over him. Okay, search warrant. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but the best part was that this whole, like, raid was recorded on audio tape. And you can hear him yelling obscenities to the SWAT team, like, hmm that's that that just to me was crazy.
2: Oh, yeah, it was just you know, but they didn't make any arrests But the search did turn up clues and now while all this is going on poor Noah who's eight years old He's in his bedroom, you know god only knows what the poor kid thinks Right. I mean I, I felt horrible for him because Numbnuts is Telling the SWAT team they can't come in with the legit warrant. and He's getting tased and uh, it had to be commotion
1: Oh, yeah. It had to have been terrifying for him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Larry's swearing, you know, I, how well did poor Noah even know this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, dad's gone and this guy shows right up. What's going on? Yep. So then six weeks later, um,
1: after Jay's been missing, the police believe they finally found Jay, or what was left of him. Um, it was October 23rd that they found this torso,
2: actually not too far from their home. And it was actually found by a homeless guy. Which was pretty interesting. So homeless guy sees the Rubbermaid tub, thinking, eh, this doesn't smell good. lifts the lid. Yeah, he's done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, that smell of death in the air. Like, once you smell it, that that smell stays with you for the rest of your life.
2: Oh, exactly. Exactly. So poor homeless man who's now scared out of his... My... He notifies police somehow. So here come the police. Near, 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 and they're... ooh. We have a torso, and the rubbermaid container. So, yeah, they pick it up and take it off to be processed. And they're going through it now. Here's like the weird part: there was a lot of money mm-hmm. in the rubbermaid container with the torso. So, arms and legs and head are removed. I wonder if they bought and read Valerie uh, Pepe's book on dismemberment. But <laughs> so here's we have another torso. And they also found a bullet in the bottom. So forensically, they were able to ascertain that he was shot. And then they figured out that she used uh, two jigsaw blades
1: Mm
2: -hmm. to cut him apart. So there was some speculation the body was cooled first. Then thought out. But, and it was, then it was cut. But here, here's the really, the really tricky part for me. So bodies cut up, they, they never find the extremities or the head. Mm-hmm. to this day they've never been found but all of a sudden she power washes and acid washes the garage floor and she epoxies it
1: covering something up there yeah
2: who does that who epoxies their garage floor
1: i mean this is kind of like a little twist of uh the murder trunk and val um miss pepe
2: yeah yeah and we're we'll circle back to that when we get towards the end but yeah <laughs> so i'm like okay this is just insane i'm like is she like read about these cases and she's just following along so now we have a body with no head so i think the police were correct in assuming the man's dead mm-hmm. you know even though attorneys well did you check for a pulse he didn't have a head you know i'm thinking i'm thinking he was dead So they've got the body and now they're doing DNA because this was 2004. So they had some DNA capability. So they're trying to figure out who the body is. Meanwhile, Detective Barnes, who is still miffed about being told to go F herself, (laughs) she's like a little bloodhound. So now she's over here following the money Mm -hmm. and she's following these crazy trails and everything keeps coming back to Marjorie. To Marjorie. So when the police came in and they did the raid, Jay had computers because he had a business. So mm-hmm. they took the computers. This case dates itself to back to 2004. So one day, Marjorie goes to Circuit City <laughs> and she's using Jay's American Express card. The store catches on to something. They call the police and the police detain her. Her mm-hmm. little story as she bats her eyes was, wow. The police came in and took the business computers into evidence. I have to figure out how to run the business and keep things going. I need a computer. It's a computer for the business. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like, we already know the husband's dead, so you probably shouldn't be using his credit card.
1: Yeah. And buying a computer. Like, she's making elaborate purchases.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And her behavior was just so brash. She just didn't have time to talk to anybody. She's wasn't available. She wanted mm-hmm. nothing to do with this investigation at all. Exactly. But I thought what was interesting as well as she went to A Lowe's and she bought two fifty gallon rubber made containers. Mm-hmm. And poor Rubber Made because more murderers use rubber made products. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shout out to Rubbermaid because their products work. They are fabulous products, but I, they, they often get used in in murders. So she's at Lowe's on surveillance tape buying 250-gallon Rubbermaid tubs and a roll of black plastic bags.
1: Is that not like uh, Red Flags?
2: I don't know yeah. what is it.
1: And this was just two days after Jay went missing. So this was caught two days after he was missing that she's purchasing these things. Like,
2: yeah. Hmm. Makes yeah. you think. Yeah. Yeah. So you would go, dun, dun, dun. So yeah. So now police have another search warrant and they're going through the house and they're finding things like, oh, his checkbook is there. Cash is there. Car Mm -hmm. keys are there. Oh, he supposedly came home, changed his shirt and took off for the next gig. Well, he's a businessman. Anybody who knew Jay was like, there's no way he would leave the business checkbook. Exactly. How are you going to do business if you don't have the business checkbook, because this is still 2004. So we weren't completely on plastic yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had it and people would use it, but it, business people were still writing checks, writing checks for the, for the company. So yeah, you know, and I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, all right, she's, oh, and I think they found the receipt for, um, cleaning supplies, the hacksaw blades. Yeah. Cleaning supplies, mop, the, um, saw blades, everything is in her name. Nothing's in Larry's name, because maybe Larry's a little smarter. But I have to think when it comes to hacking off limbs and even putting a torso, you know, that's dead weight in a Tupperware container, you know, the Rubbermaid, and trying to get it from A to B, that's pretty bulky. Now, she was healthy and she worked out and stuff, but I really wonder if somebody didn't lend a hand, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody she met at the gym. Yeah. Or somebody <laughs> that was living in the house that apparently liked piano music. <laughs> you know and then the weird thing is like they don't even hide it it's just i mean there's this little road but it's like a quarter mile and there's like on the side of like it's just a, just a little gravel road that you could just drive down you drive down like a quarter mile or so and oh here's this tub this this rubbermaid tub and so police surmised that she wanted it found because she needed a death certificate to claim what? life insurance to claim the life insurance because isn't that what everybody does? Life insurance. Always the life insurance. So yeah, so she was like, oh, they found him. How exciting. I can cash in now. Oh, she cashed in. Yeah, with
1: a handcuff around her wrist for sure. <laughs> that was definitely her cashing. And so here it is, December 6th, 6, six weeks after her husband's dismemberment body was discovered, they ended up charging her with Jay's murder. And I like what she ended up telling people that they handcuffed me in the foyer in front of my child and Noah was sent to live with Jay's brother, Jake.
2: Yeah, they just, uh, that was the last time she talked to Noah too. Mm -hmm. And I believe the last time she saw him.
1: Yeah, that's gotta be tough.
2: Yeah, boy, they charged her with, they charged her with some stuff.
1: Absolutely. I think what the biggest thing is the prosecution eventually um, offered Larry what they, what's called an immunity so that... Means which he, he, whatever he says can't be used against him in court.
2: And I think that was a mistake. That was a huge, huge mistake. But this, this is just my, you know, I'm just a girl. It's just my observation. But yeah, I think they needed to look a whole lot harder at Jake than they ever did.
1: At Larry? I mean, at
2: Larry, yeah. Jake's, uh, Jay's brother. (laughs) thank God for Jake, honestly, because he took Noah and raised him as his own.
1: And, you know, what was crazy is that it took eight months for them to do trial, and within seven hours, they immediately were like,
2: eh, guilty. I thought it was funny that they they brought in a little jailhouse snitch.
1: Mm, yes.
2: You know, one of one of her cellmates, which the defense is all, you know, going on, well, she's just a snitch, she's just a snitch. But just, she doesn't get anything out of it, though. Backing up, I, I did forget this little tidbit. Interestingly enough... Guess who had a garage door opener for the garage? Larry! Yeah, and they just, like, walked away and...
1: I mean, let's talk about, like, this is definitely... Marjorie definitely had a lot of red flags towards her that gave her a way that she was definitely involved. But Larry definitely should have been looked at a lot harder.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even believe... Yeah, sometimes it just blows my mind that they police... And prosecutors get it in their head that somebody did it and we're going to get them no matter how. And they will give people that I'm sure were complicit in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And they just go ahead and give them immunity. Like they wanted her so bad that they were willing to let Larry go. Yeah, that to
1: me is crazy. And I mean, it it was if that wasn't a red flag that they, he was living at their house, it was like a love triangle. Like that should have given you enough to say Hey, we should probably look into this guy a little bit more.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like testify against her, and you know we'll we'll do whatever whatever you need.
1: Exactly. But uh, uh you know, chance of getting convicted of the murder in two thousand and nine, and like I said, the trial lasted eight months. That's a long time to be a jury. That's all I have to say.
2: Yeah, and I think that the jury really bought her cellmate story because um she said that. Her name was Sophia Johnson, but she said that Marjorie claimed that she shot, froze, de the arms, and then the arms and legs and the head were were cut off. And then she also talked about how she would always talk about he was fat, he was ugly, he was stupid, he was disgusting, and all those happy little things. And I'm like, I've seen pictures of him, and he was a very nice-looking man, and I really don't know what your problem was. He was a millionaire, he loved you, he loved that boy, and... And you know, I don't know. I, I see nothing wrong with the way he looked, but... And then the other thing, so now you get back into good old Phoenix PD and their investigation, and I sometimes I just have to scratch my head and go, mm-hmm. like, you know, how did you guys learn your craft? Because, man, I, Phoenix just... Ah, They're <laughs> sloppy. They're just out there. I don't know what their deal is. So they have the tub, the tub's, uh, and they find a couple hairs. Mm-hmm. And so detective is like, hey you know, we need to, we need to check this hair. Crime lab's like, no, we don't. Nope. And he's like, yeah, I kind of think we do. <laughs> I'm like, nope. Go away. Don't bother us. So I'm like, there's two hairs. Could have been two shoppers. Could have been two people that worked at low. Could have been two killers. Could have been a killer and a victim. Why would you not test hair? Now at no point could I ever find out was, you know, just pieces of hair, which that makes it a whole lot harder cuz mm-hmm. really to do dna and get it down to the nth thing you need the root of the hair. So if it was just pieces of hair, they could do similar, you know, looks like, resembles, but it's it's not as accurate. But yeah, the lab is like, yeah, we just don't want to be bothered with it. Yeah, that to me is crazy. The detective spoke out against that and then he winds up on administrative leave and he just winds up leaving cuz I'm sure they made life miserable for him. He's like, how many times would you, you know, beg For evidence like a hair and here we have two of them and you guys won't even touch it yeah they didn't care for it yeah like yeah we're not having it
1: the crazy part too that we uh, didn't mention was that Marjorie tells the cops that she was actually divorced from Jay yeah in one of the recordings that she stated that she was actually divorced but they were together because they wanted to make sure for her their son that they were the mom and dad couple
2: yeah and guess what was never found divorce papers
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing. And <laughs> she's like Marjorie stood to inherit almost a million dollars from just various life insurance policies. So to say that you're divorced, like that doesn't mean that you would get them. So that doesn't even make sense either.
2: Uh, nothing about her makes sense. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It's it's just crazy. So yeah, we go through this crazy trial and seven hour verdict. So she got not only a first, or she was not only guilty. Um, a first-degree murder. She got life without parole. They found her guilty of two counts of theft of $100,000 or more. Mm-hmm. So there's your computer at Circuit City, your baby grand, your 45000 out of the business account, and God knows what else she was doing. And then she got two counts of fraudulent schemes and artifacts. So she got life without parole plus five years for each remaining count. So that gave her life plus 20 Wow. Because I know people always ask, well, if you've got life, what else are you going to do? Why do they always tack on these other years? You know, Life plus 20, that's because of the other counts. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it will be life, but that's how that stuff gets tacked on. And she's currently serving at
1: our lovely Perryville prison that
2: Kat and I met at. Yeah. So did you ever encounter her? I did. Not a lot because she wasn't one of these really crazy, needy medical people. She was just sort of around. But you just, you watch her on the yard and she just, she walks all slinky and she'd be batting her eyes at the officers. She'd be going, hey, Officer Smith. And they'd just be like, ugh, eye roll. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and she just, you know, she works out apparently there, which other than walking and running and doing some pushups and situps, there's really not much to do there. But she uh, belongs to this prison pen pal group. And so she's got all these little sexy pictures and uh, she's looking to uh, write to people. Yeah, it's very the interesting. From outside, yeah. They, and this is the scary part. This is the scary part for me. They now have tablets so that they can do their pen pal thing. Interesting. So I don't know if they keep them all the time or if they're just, they can check it out. They probably just check it out. And, you know, do what they have to do and, and be like, oh my God. So yeah, she she loves to meet people from the outside. they want to talk about things i'm sure so for our fans out there please don't be writing to her (laughs) no good can come of it she's not getting out she's a gold digger don't do it don't be putting money on her books
1: (laughs) i feel like uh she definitely got the short end of the stick of all this i i really do feel like you know larry should have been looked at a lot more but
2: oh he should have he should have so circling back to uh a couple things that you had said earlier because you had uh, referenced a few cases that we had done.
1: Talked about, yeah.
2: Yeah. So obviously, with the torso, you get, you know, the Valerie Pape in there. But I thought it was interesting on some of the um, trial characters. Mm-hmm. So um, it was Judge Arthur Anderson was the presiding judge. And so, three months into the trial of this eight month trial, The defense decides that they're going to put allegations of prosecutorial misconduct against uh, the prosecutor. Hmm. So, Mr. yeah, it was uh, allegations against Mr. Levy. And uh, it was just kind of interesting, some of the stuff that I kind of found out about him. But um, the prosecutor's name is Noel Levy. And Levy had prosecuted the case of Ray Crone. And the only reason I bring this up was uh, Ray was wrongfully convicted and he spent 10 years on death row before like the innocence project came in and Hmm. overturned his conviction. So Noel was like all over that. Guess who else he prosecuted? Who? Milky? Yep. (laughs) So what does that tell you? This guy is already 0-2. Yeah. So defense is like, you know, we're not having it. And I mean, actually some good lawyering on their part. They're like, no, Mm -hmm. this is prosecutorial misconduct. We're not having it. Well, apparently Mr. Levy had some pretty severe health problems and it caused him to withdraw mid-case. So the judge never, he just threw out the allegations because the lawyer was stepping down. He was, Hmm. you know, there was no point to it. And I guess he had some real severe... Uh, medical problems. So Deputy County Attorney Trina Kay stepped in. She She's pretty gritty. So she was able to stick with it and uh, get the murder conviction. Yeah,
1: there was no evidence of like anything outside of like pretty much speculation. So very interesting that she got guilty. And, and I think that's what her attorneys were kind of going for was that, you know, there wasn't real hardcore evidence that said, you know, hey, it was Marjorie that shot him and put him in this rubber bait, were like nothing that tied her back to it really.
2: Yeah. And they were like, how come nobody's looking at uh, Weisberg and what's going on? And so her trial went to Arizona Supreme Court and they upheld her conviction. Mm-hmm. They upheld it. So
1: still think it's interesting.
2: Yeah. That's where it's at. So it's not often on uh, these cases that we do that there's very much shred of good news. But I will say that hats off to Jake for taking Noah. And he raised him to be one heck of a young man. Mm-hmm. Then he got his schooling. He graduated. He was in the U.S. Army. He served over, I don't know exactly, but I will say the East. So he was over Afghan, Saudi, Iraq, one of those. He, he was over there. He has an Instagram account. He had a lot of pictures up. So, that's mm-hmm. how I could tell. I believe he was a sniper because there's just lots of pictures of him on a rooftop with a gun. But he served, and uh, he does have an Instagram account, and he has his own security management type of business. Hmm. But anyway, it's the second time I'm saying we're circling back to this. So when she was sentenced, Judge Arthur Anderson, I thought this was hilarious as he gets up and he said that her case is has striking. Striking similarity to Winnie Ruth Judd and the trunk murderous trial. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that was a shout out to our little Winnie. But yeah, Torso and the Rubbermaid, you know, she used the trunk. But yeah, pretty close. (laughs) Well,
1: that comes to an end to this case, but that was definitely a a positive twist towards the end. I did not know that about Noah. Congrats and thank you for your serving time, Noah.
2: Yeah, and if anybody wants to check out his Instagram, it's it's Noah Orbin and he's out there. You could just Google him and You'll be able to find him. You'll be able to find it. They have some pictures off of there. Or you can go right to Instagram. Good to know. Well, before we get going,
1: we have a question of the week, which this is a great question. What are the rights of a convicted felon?
2: Ooh, you mean they have them? <laughs>
1: Yes. Good question. Good question, guys. Well, we invite all our listeners and stalkers to follow us on social media, our website, and of course, share our podcast with all your friends and family on all platforms. And next week's episode, we'll be discussing Sherry Tobey, or Tobin's case.
2: Yeah. So thanks again to everybody on the Facebook page and really appreciate the interaction with the trivia questions and new, new questions up. So thank you, guys. We just really appreciate everybody. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for hanging with us.
1: Yes, and we are excited to be back on the ball. So until then, you guys take care, be kind, and be safe out there.
2: Yeah, so thanks again, everybody. Stay safe and uh, watch out for the rain for those of you here. And we will see you guys next week. Take care now. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Time for Crime is a podcast about true crime, prison life, and the opinions from the people who've worked on the inside. Please follow us and leave a five star review on your favorite podcasting software. Help us get our voice out there. You can get more information about the podcast and this case at www.timeforcrime.net. Look for us on Twitter at Time for Crime One or on Facebook at Time for Crime Vanny Cat. Feel free to leave us a comment on our voicemail at 623 292 5871. We might even put your call on the podcast. Like it, love it, and share it, but please credit the hosts Vanessa Nunez and Kathy Delaney for their commitment to the podcast and service to the community. We'd like to send a special thanks to Nickel Nymph for the music in this podcast. We'd also like to thank Dave Kaiser and Peter Nymph for their support of the podcast and website. And most importantly, we'd like to thank you, the listener. Without you, we couldn't bring you this podcast. Take care, everyone.